0: Hey friends, welcome to February 23rd. Thanks for joining me. Happy Wednesday to you, and welcome to Enough for Today. On Enough for Today, we are slow walking through the Psalms. We started this at the beginning of COVID, and it's my goal, if God gives me life and energy and clarity, uh, to just get through the Psalms. And I think this is about our 65th Psalm. So we are well past a third of the way through this awesome, wonderful songbook of ancient Israel. Um, and we're just we're looking at the near view of the author, maybe David in this case and 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 what was he experiencing and seeking of the Lord? And then we're looking at the uh, what you would call the historical view, and that was that this psalm became a all these psalms became songs, hymns, poems that were uh, tools for worship, corporate worship for the nation of Israel, and then, uh, teaching mechanisms for their children as they were coming up in uh, Jewish life, learning about their God. And then we're looking at the, the, the big picture, the redemptive narrative view. And that, well, let me back up. We're looking, the near view would be the author and, and his circumstances. The next, uh, think of this like concentric circles, like a dartboard, okay? The nearest view would be the author in his moment. The next view would be the nation and their history and how the psalm made its way into that life. The next view would be bringing it into New Testament um, and looking at, at the redemptive, the full redemptive narrative coming into Jesus and the gospel and the church age and, and what what did it mean in, to Jesus and to, uh, to his followers. And then the next circle would be bringing it to modern times and understanding the heart of God through redemptive history from the history of this psalm and from all, you know looking at it through the grid of all of the redemptive history of Jesus, the church, Jesus, and the disciples of Jesus, and then back through Israel's history all the way back to David. It's like a long telescope that we get to look at it through. But then there's yet another circle, and that would be the um, the future fulfillment, the promises of God yet to be fulfilled. And this particular psalm, as with most of them, has a view to each of those uh, circles. Like, another view of it would be like an extended telescope, okay? And, and you know, right up against your eye, the, the near view is David, the author, and his circumstances, and then the history of Israel, the nation of Israel, and the New Testament, and Jesus, and then the church age and the 21st century application, and then the future promises of God yet to come. And, and this section, verses 5 through uh, 9 especially, uh, flow through all of that. I mean, all of that. Be- Why? Because it's it's all of the infinite qualities of the character and the heart and the grace of God. His mercy, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his justice and judgment, his preservation, his loving kindness, his excellence, uh, his trustworthiness, his protection, his atonement, his, his covering of our sins, uh, his satisfaction, his fullness of life that he gives to us. Uh, his abundant provision and abundant life and abundant pleasure and the way he lights our lives and will forever be our light and our truth and our provision and our joy and our pleasure and I'm tired just thinking about it. I mean there's just so much here especially when you push it through all of those views and uh, this is how you study the Bible. This little moment together has been a, a four minute lesson on how to study the Bible. You first look at the near view of the writer, the author, and the context. What was God saying about himself? What did it mean to that person? And then what 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 was the future revelation of God? What was the progression of redemptive history and the redemptive story of the, of the whole of Scripture? And as Jesus came onto the scene, what do the Gospels and what does the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus teach us How did Jesus view this psalm? And what did it say about him? And then then we begin to apply it to our lives. And then we begin to look at the future fulfillment or the fuller eternal fulfillment of all of these qualities. And it just, ah, it makes you so glad that you know Christ. And if you don't know him, it makes you want to know him because he's just so, so good. So we left off the other day in verse nine, for with thee is the fountain of life and in thy light shall we see light verse 10 and i'm going to take my time today not not uh, we're almost done for today but i'm going to take my time through the psalm because i want to do 10 11 and 12 today tomorrow and friday okay so david now enters into part 3 of his of of his psalm the first part verses 1 through 4 the the, the, the destruction and the deathliness of sin the second part is the beauty of the character and the abundance of the lavish heart of god and that's verses 5 through 9. And now David uh, turns to prayer. And his first prayer is that God would continue. Okay? And he says, God, please continue. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. You could say this is a bit of, um, and I'm going to try to use a word here. It may not be the right word. This is a preemptive or presumptive prayer. It's a prayer born out of the knowledge that this will be the case. So it's a, maybe a rhetorical prayer. Like we think of a rhetorical question uh, as being, you're asking the question not to get the answer because you already know the answer. The answer is self-evident, or you're hoping it's self-evident to the person you're asking the question, or you're leading them to the discovery that it's self-evident. This is somewhat of a rhetorical prayer. In other words, David already knows and believes that God's mercy is unending, that his faithfulness is unending. So it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to continue his loving kindness to them that know him and his righteousness to the upright in heart. Okay, he's not on off. So there's only two ways David could be praying this prayer. One is that he's preaching it to his own heart and reminding God of his promise. Okay, and... um, the second is that he is um, essentially reappropriating it in his life experientially, that he's asking God, give me the, ex- the continued experience, okay? So get the two senses in which David might be praying this prayer. The one is um, that he's preaching to his soul in, in terms of reminding God of the reality of his love and his righteousness. The second is that when life sours on him, when he's tempted to be drawn back to verses one through four by looking at the devastation of of the condition of the world, he wants God to remind him continually. He wants God to bring him back experientially to living in that loving kindness and experiencing the sense of that righteousness unfolding in his life. There's not any doubt in David that the loving kindness, the hesed, we talked about that Hebrew word, or the righteousness of God is, 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 is limited in some way or it's going to be stopped in some way. But he is saying, God, continue it. Let me give you a little example. Have you ever prayed, uh, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, please go before me today and please be with me today and um, just protect and guide and provide for me today. We pray that you'll provide for us today. Have you ever prayed that? I have, maybe thousands of times. Well, why? I mean, God is with me. Why would I pray that? Why would I pray that he would be with me? He, there's no chance that he's not going to be. Uh, why am I praying that he'll provide for me? He's already promised to provide, okay? Um, you know what? It, it, it's rhetorical. It's really, I'm reminding, yeah, I'm reminding God of his promise, but I'm reminding my soul that God will do these things. Um, So it is as much for me as it is for, it's really not for God, is it? It's for me. And that's really the sense of this, that that David wants to keep his heart in this place. Um, Continue, continue to apply verses five through nine to my heart and my soul. Lord, let me continue walking out your loving kindness and your righteousness. I want to keep knowing you and experiencing you until I see you. And that is enough for today. Well, happy Wednesday, um, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.